It's the other side of midnight with Frank Morano. This is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm Frank Morano. You know, we've covered AI a great deal on this show. We've talked about all of the potential ways that it could be beneficial, helping with everything from diagnostic medical tests to cutting down on monotonous tasks in all sorts of fields. Uh, We've talked about the incredible advances that can be made in fields like astronomy and other aspects of science that might be impossible if not for AI. We've also talked about the hazards of AI. Obviously, the most extreme is all life on this earth coming to an end because uh, some weapon system run by AI decides that we have to eliminate the humans. But we've also seen recently, on a practical level, a lot of potential negative uses of AI. And a lot of people have raised concerns about what AI might mean in a political context. What if you see and hear a candidate or an elected official doing something that they didn't actually do and the voter may not know the difference? We also talk from time to time about politics on this show. And a lot of you have raised the question, given your interest in AI and given your interest, meaning my interest, in politics, why have you not covered the story regarding the AI robocalls in New Hampshire? If you don't know what I'm talking about, there were a series of robocalls made with a voice that sound, sounded suspiciously like Joe Biden. What a bunch of malarkey. We know the value of voting Democratic when our votes count. It's important that you save your vote for the November election. Telling people not to vote in the New Hampshire primary. This seems to be an incredible deception and exactly the kind of thing that people were warning about. Now, why? Did I not talk about this and give my opinion and talk about how horrible this was or offer my analysis about this whole situation? Well, it's because... I was informed several weeks ago that I knew the person responsible for this and I wanted to wait until he broke his silence on the radio with us on this show before, you know, and before I gave my opinion without necessarily knowing all the facts. Well, now he has been outed. And I want to welcome the man responsible for the fake Biden robocall that used AI, guy I've known for probably about 15 years now, a veteran political consultant. He's worked all over the country, actually all over the world. Very pleased uh, to welcome to the program Steve Kramer. Steve, it's great to talk to you. Thanks so much for coming on the radio with us. Hey, Frankie, it's good to uh, hear your voice. You've got the perfect voice for radio and you really do cover things that other people are afraid of, and I'm glad uh, to be a part of that. I appreciate that, and uh, no AI aiding in my voice at all. All right, uh, Steve, there are a whole bunch of questions that I have for you, but really, I think they only come down to two, and this is the uh, the question that I think a lot of listeners are going to have for you. The questions are, 
why and how. Let's begin with the how aspect of it first. How did you pull this off? As the listeners just heard, that call sounds a lot like Joe Biden. What did you do here technologically and practically? How did you make this work? You know, it's so easy. A 17-year-old with a grudge, the Chinese government, any anybody with any kind of money at all could do a lot of damage with this type of technology and use in a negative way. And for $500, a little bit for the list, a little bit for the setting out of calls, and a little bit for the creation of calls, I was able to to make a call that actually made a difference, not just in, in AI and in people's knowledge of what could be done, but more importantly, in, in the regulations, in the ability for not just government, but people in order to be able to recognize what this is, what the dangers are, and how to how to prevent it. Okay, well, let's so, get to the we'll get to the why in a second. But just again, on the how aspect of things, it's been reported that uh, there was a New Orleans magician that was paid one hundred and fifty dollars to mimic Joe Biden's voice. So, in the audio that we just heard, the audio of these calls, is that a, 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 something that was created by a computer, or is that a Joe Biden impersonator? It is created completely by a computer, artificial intelligence, and. You know, in under a half hour, we were able to, and I should say the creator was able to take Joe Biden clips that are readily available from television and other aspects and use enough of the samples in order to be able to create to any script. And I created a script that I think allowed people to know that it was a straw poll, that the Democratic primary meant nothing because there are no DNC votes or delegates that were distributed during that primary, two, that they couldn't vote in the first place for that particular call. And again, the list that I used started off as 41,000 most likely to vote Democrats. I chose Democrats because they couldn't vote in the Republican primary. Mm -hmm. Um, But also the, the, the list itself in New Hampshire, the lists are not easy to obtain or, or, bind together in a reasonable fashion so you can use them for outbound communications. What I mean by that is in New Hampshire, counties kind of run their own show. So it takes a little while for counties to update and then the state to update and then the list vendors to update their New Hampshire file. Um, It's not the only state that's county-oriented. West Virginia and a few others do it the same way. However, it's still easy to get a list from any reputable list vendor out there, whether that be on the East Coast or West Coast or even in other countries, those lists are readily available to anybody. The creation of the call, again, I used someone who had introduced me to what could be done for a minimal cost um, with AI. And I was intrigued because I saw a lot of different things that were beginning to happen in politics anyway. And then, Frankie, after the new year, after, excuse me, after the November election, the new political year, as they say, I was inundated by different people who wanted to, and not just people, PACs, super PACs, different organizations, um, corporations, and even individual candidates and their campaign managers who all wanted to know how they could get in the game, mostly for negative stuff. Mm -hmm. And it's frustrating because, you know, the people like Roger Stone, who you and I both know very well, who were mimicked and and with threatening messages to members of Congress, which I 
could never, having known Rogers for 25 years, could never imagine him issuing a statement or doing anything that would be untoward in that respect. And, you know, dismissed it out of hand, and sure enough, it was a big call for Rogers' voice, much in the same way with Keith Wright, who was the Democratic chair of Manhattan. Mm-hmm. And his name, excuse me, had his voice replicated in a way that was not complimentary to one of the members of the delegation in Manhattan. And I think you probably heard of Taylor Swift. She's this uh, sure. performer. You know, they, things got a little more serious for the video, and and to the point where it bordered on porn, or or and other people in schools and in other different capacities have used the video aspect of well, not just TikTok but all forms of media in order to be able to spread uh, misinformation. Certainly, uh, different things that don't add up, and then when you find out it's a fake. It's already created such a stir, such a disruption, or such damage to that person that often irreparable. Right. Um, so, uh, but, but so, uh, Steve, just so I understand, this fellow, this New Orleans magician who says he was paid to voice Biden in this call, is that did that happen? Did he voice Biden for this call? All he did was take a script that I had sent over to him. And literally within just a few minutes, not more than 30 minutes, but I think a lot less than that, he was able to create a completely computer-generated Biden call or Biden voice. I think he took him two different uh, tries at it before he felt like it was the best he could do. And then he sent it back to me, and that was a lot. That was it. And, and that fellow that did that, is he an, an AI person or is he an impersonator? I mean, is that his voice that we're hearing as Biden or is that his wizardry with AI that's making it sound like Biden? First of all, I don't think he's an AI um, professional in any way. He's, you know, to my knowledge, a uh, street musician uh, or excuse me, street magician and someone who I casually know because there's a lot of people in New Orleans that like live music. And, and I'm sure he does because I've seen him at different concerts and I do as well. So in casual conversation, he explains different things that could be done. And, you know, I kind of socked it away with the Biden call in particular, though. It was completely computer-generated. Now, this is something that's easily done by anyone. And the fact that I paid him $150 was more because I knew he was... Down on his luck and, sure, I get it. Right, we've all we've all been there. Yeah, yeah, I get yeah. that. Okay, so now I think we understand uh, the the practicality of this. Uh, for just a couple hundred bucks, you can not only have this produced, but buy a list, and you've done robocalls for political campaigns for uh, you know literally decades. So uh, here, I guess, is where I think a lot of people are wondering. Why? Why do this? It sounds like, based on what you're saying now, that there was sort of a noble intent behind this. Explain that. Explain what you were trying to do. It doesn't sound like you were doing this to fool voters into not voting for Biden to help Dean Phillips. What was your motivation here exactly, Steve? So into the new year, I knew that this is something that I want to do, not just this, but to really make a difference in the way that I approach politics as someone who as you mentioned, has been doing politics, you know, actively since I was six, but certainly professionally since I was about 12. And I've seen everything, Frankie. I've seen everything. And to have so many people approach me after November's election about getting ready to do stuff,
stuff in their primaries they have in their different states and work in 38 states. I do 59 members of Congress. There's nothing I haven't seen. But I don't fear um, as much as wanted to show what could happen if this runs amok. And again, we already cited a few examples of the negative use of AI. Certainly there's positive uses, which you've done on your show. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people who are initially intrigued, much like myself, by AI in the automation of different things that are rote tasks for humans. However, the ability to advance those rote tasks in a way that is continually learning is something that I think should be used in a positive way. I'm not a regular, I'm not a legislator, not someone who helps to determine the rules. What I am is someone who's knowledgeable about everything that's going on, literally everything that's going on. There isn't a different thing in politics that I haven't seen before until now. And when I was getting so many requests, I decided I could do something about it. I have the reputation, the years of experience, the ability to just take it. You know, they're not going to get me to back down from something I really believe in. And this is one of them. And that's the fact that this is being used negatively. This is being used, which, although maybe not legally and properly, or it is now, but this would have never happened unless I put my foot down. So this was done. Out. This was done not to hurt Joe Biden. This was done to expose the dangers and uh, create awareness about the hazards of AI and the use of AI in political campaigns. Correct. And the reason I chose two days before the election during the evening, the Sunday before the Tuesday, was that knowing that media coverage would pick it up on Monday. And while literally all eyes politically and for sometimes the casual observer, that was a day that they were going to be watching what was happening with the New Hampshire primary, both that you know end of the early voting period into the election period on that Tuesday. It got more media coverage than I could have ever imagined. Mm. And I kept my name anonymous for five weeks, knowing that the issue is what was the important part. Not Steve Kramer, could care less who likes me or doesn't like me or supports what I've done. It's more of the issue itself. So since then, Frankie, you and you've covered this, 50 attorney generals have signed either an amicus or a letter, I'm not sure which it technically is, trying to ban this type of technology within outbound communications. The FCC, which, by the way, has issued me a subpoena, which I tend to comply with. Right. Well, well, that's the next thing I was going to ask you about. So um, as of now, how has the law or the regulations from either an FCC or an FEC perspective changed from when you did this uh, a month and a half ago? I'm not sure the Federal Elections Commission has changed anything yet, although I would imagine they're contemplating different things to prevent AI from taking over someone's campaign or pack or whatever account and their filings with the FEC, making, let's say, a fake report rather than a real report. To my knowledge, that hasn't come up as an issue yet, but I can tell you that's got to be around the corner. The FCC finally did their job. Three weeks after I created this call and sent it out, they finally banned the use of AI in outbound communications from political campaigns or PACs or other things that are of an electoral nature. So they didn't do their job for years, and they knew it was coming. And they had promised a summer, possibly a summer movement on making regulations, much in the same way Congress was on track to take it up over the summer. 
I think everybody had said at the time that they were waiting for the budget to get passed or waiting for different things before they would take it up. But at no one, with the exception of certain state legislatures and state legislators, were able to introduce anti-AI use in this type of fashion. You know, good luck getting it out of the committee and passed in the legislatures, but at least they were trying to make a difference. The 50 attorney generals out of the 50 states that we have who signed all wouldn't have taken that action unless I did this call. So for $500, help change an industry, or at least started the snowball that is changing this industry. And this is something that should have been looked at a year ago and changed over this past summer. But oh. instead, now it's, it's, it's to the point, at least behind the scenes, where almost everybody had, think, had thought about doing something in this respect but held back, or at least many of them held back. Hi, it's Ernie Anastas. You know, your thoughts can affect how you feel, and how you feel can impact your thoughts. Addressing your mind and body connection is the key to improving your overall wellness. Bergen Newbridge Medical Center is the largest hospital in New Jersey, providing comprehensive, equitable, compassionate, and high-quality emergency inpatient and outpatient medical care, plus mental health services and substance use disorder treatment. The Bergen Newbridge team can address your total health needs in one convenient location. Call 201-225-7130 for an appointment or newbridgehealth.org. If people are just tuning in, we're talking with Steve Kramer, veteran political consultant, has worked uh, primarily with Democrats, but certainly with a good number of Republicans in this country, also worked on a lot of political campaigns around the world. And uh, he's now admitted that he's the man responsible for the AI robocall in New Hampshire. Now, Steve, some people are going to listen to your explanation and say, this is the equivalent of a bank robber coming forward to admit that he robbed a bank in order to expose the security flaws that he wanted corrected. It's still improper and illegal to rob the bank. What actions had, and again, it doesn't seem like it made much of a difference in the electoral outcome, but what if your actions had played a role in altering the effect of this election in, say, costing Biden the New Hampshire primary? Obviously it didn't, but we had no way of knowing that. Actually, that's not true. Enough polls had shown the right-in campaign for the Biden um, candidacy. It was far exceeding anything of any of his challenges, um, to the point where 5,000 calls, even 10,000 changed votes wouldn't have made a difference at all in that election. And in the in this exact script, never tells them not to vote in the Democratic Party. It says not to vote. Um, to help Donald Trump mm. you know, so that we could get Democrats elected. And when I say we, that's part of the script that was put out there was that people should not listen to the malarkey, which was a catchphrase of the president, and that they should especially vote in November when their vote actually meant something. Because let's face it, Democratic primary was a straw poll. It had no delegates sure. at stake. It had right. no competition because you're talking about more than 50 points, I think, between um, Biden, Biden and his, and his Phillips, nearest right. challenger. Mm-hmm. And it's it's um, frustrating for me because a lot of people see something that to gain for themselves or a uh, news hit to gain for themselves. Certainly not on your show. You definitely expose the facts with all your different guests. And I'm an avid listener. Thank I, you don't always get up in time to hear it, but I get to hear some of the rebroadcasts. But more importantly, the people who feel disenfranchised or in some way that democracy has been disrupted 
if I didn't do this, this regulations, these regulations would have never changed. And in the same way, someone who can get through airport security and then is actually working for a security agency sure. in order to be able to show the flaws, you know, this in a similar way, not, not exactly the same, but in a similar way, allows an innocuous happening to be seen by everybody. You know, Thomas Jefferson used to say, when you do a thing, act as the whole world is watching. And they were. And everybody was watching on that Monday and Tuesday of the primary. And the calls for this to be denounced were something that the legislators, who are very good at their press releases and their press conferences, were quick to jump on about. But how many of them went home and looked in the mirror looking at you attorney generals especially, did something about it. Now, I'm not going to say that no one did. There's a couple of people who started to introduce legislation we talked about. But the attorney generals who really have the power to do something about it, back the Missouri attorney general's office called me a couple of days ago, and they were excited in order to be able to stop this sort of thing and get my opinion and why I did it and how I did it and what types of things could prevent it. And I, I got to tell you, I am not the expert on how to prevent it. I just know that it's out there and I know that it is preventable. If we can send a lander on the moon and sometimes it lands on its side and sometimes it lands, at least it got there. I think we are at least in the process now, finally, uh, being able to regulate things. And if someone doesn't like what I did, that's the way it is, and that's the way it played out, and I don't need to do it again. Mm-hmm. Uh, I already caused the sir that we needed. Uh, talking with Steve Kramer. Steve, at this point, you mentioned that uh, subpoena from the FCC. I know the attorney general from uh, New Hampshire was talking about a, a – it seemed like a criminal investigation when it was first reported – even though you did this for what I think most people would acknowledge is a noble intent, are you facing any potential criminal penalties because of what you did? You know, I'm not an attorney, and I would never pretend to be. I think that the attorney general of whatever state, and especially in New Hampshire, has that right to go ahead and do that sort of thing. But I can tell you the attorney general of New Hampshire has a degree from a noted law school, Florida State, one of the pillars within Florida of government relations and government education. The a position in New Hampshire is an appointed position. In other words, one person gets to decide if he's the attorney general and probably has a Senate or somebody who has to approve of that, but he's not voted on by the people. Unlike, let's say, Letitia James in your sure. state of New York, who is elected, or in most states, even even Kamala Harris, in her capacity out in California, was known as a tough person and known as clamping down on different things. Well, he didn't do his job. He didn't clamp down on these different things. And I understand that he wanted to find the person and hold someone responsible, much in the same way you might do with a trophy. But the bottom line is, is they weren't doing anything about it. And they were allowing the excuses of the moment in order to get in their way of something that was and is something that's here and is a real problem. You know, again, you can ask Roger or Keith or some of the people who have been, you know, dipped in this in this oil about what their feelings are on it. And I think that they would come out with something similar and say something needs to be done and not just something needs to be done in the future in the summer, but it has to be done now. Um, very interesting, and it's going to be interesting to see where this goes. 
given the ease in which you did this and given the fact that other people may be, look, we've been in politics long enough to have come across a number of people that are just completely amoral and just want their candidate to win or some other candidate to lose. And you mentioned the possibility of hostile foreign governments. What are you predicting for the future here in both this election and in future campaigns as this technology presumably gets even better? What do you think we're looking at down the road? I do think that there have to be safeguards in how you track different things that happen. And although I mentioned the Chinese government, really anybody with a little ingenuity and uh, the desire to make something happen can go ahead and replicate something like this or take it to the next level. Imagine your whole bank account gets wiped out by a a computer because the artificial intelligence is able to keystrokes or voice or whatever type of encryption that you use in order to be able to, to either bank or take away from the bank or be able to do things, not just to a candidate file, but to other people's actual bank accounts that aren't involved in politics. Mm. Um, there's a lot of different positive uses of this. I think that the Phillips campaign used the, or maybe not the campaign, but one of the PACs maybe that's supporting them, used the bot in order to be able to answer questions from constituents. Team Phillips campaign had no idea I was doing this. I had a different contract with them to get them on the ballot in New York and in Pennsylvania, and we did both. They had no knowledge. The company that used that I use in order to be able to send out these calls, send out about one-third of my calls in any given year. I send out over 20 million calls in a year easily. They had no knowledge of it. The person who created it, uh, Paul, had no knowledge of how I was going to use it. He was just looking for a buck. And then the unfortunate part is that the media sometimes, and I would excuse you, Frank, because you're very good at being able to talk about different things and seek solutions, unlike other people who want to just fight. Um, We need real solutions. We need people who are experienced regulators to actually do their job and regulate in this respect. It's uh, absolutely fascinating. It's going to be interesting to see where this goes. And uh, I have a feeling uh, when the history of AI and its use in political campaigns is uh, written uh, years, decades, and maybe even centuries from now, there's definitely going to be a Steve Kramer chapter because of what happened in New Hampshire. Lastly, Steve, on a completely different note, I got to take advantage of your political expertise. Give me your analysis of the uh, Michigan primary results. Uh, What are you seeing? What do you think the key takeaways are for people in the uh, Michigan primary? I have to confess, I've been working until about a half hour ago. We're doing some initiatives in, in, in the South. So it didn't get home until about a half hour ago. I haven't even turned on the television to see how the results went. I can tell you what I can think of before I find out what the results are. I think there's a, a strong constituency within the Democratic Party that doesn't like what's going on with the Biden administration foreign policy. I don't happen to subscribe to that wing, but it's definitely there and they definitely have an impact on states like Michigan or Minnesota or even Wisconsin that do have just a tremendous number of law-abiding Arab Americans who vote. Um, having said that, I think that there is has to be an understanding, and I'm not a policy expert, certainly not on foreign policy, but I can see where that at least on the Democratic side, might have had uh, an effect. On the Republican side, again, I think that the gap between Nikki Haley and Trump is 
pretty wide. And she did okay in her home state, coming within, I guess, 20 points. But I don't think that sustains. There are a lot of people, especially in a Rust Belt, blue-collar state, that really do like the former president and really do understand where he's coming from. I may not vote for him, but I can tell you there's a lot of people who work hard, obey the law, that really do like the former president. And that's not the denigrate any of the people on Nikki Haley's camp. Mm -hmm. I think that she's putting up a good fight, whether you believe what she's, you know, or believe in what she believes in is up to you. But I do think that it's great to have a democracy where you get a choice. And too many times people don't have a choice. Oh, no, I mean, that's my mantra, as you know, more choices and more voices. Uh, Steve, we're going to have to end it there. Let's do this again soon. I appreciate you uh, breaking your silence on the radio with us. And uh, let's uh, let's chat again soon. Anytime, Frankie. Thanks. Thank you, Steve Kramer. If you want to comment on any portion of our conversation, you're welcome to give me a call, 1-800-848-9222, 800-848-9222. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Straight ahead.